Don't just long that God take away the circumstance. Long that through the circumstance, your worship ignites. That's hope as he does something amazing and healing in your life. Well, let's continue to um, dig into our series, Hope That Heals. What an awesome opportunity to not so much dwell and be consumed by the frustrations of our temporary world that we live in with the restrictions and what's lifting and what's not, and to cling to the, the eternal, to cling to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, to be convinced that it is 100% fact that our God finishes everything that he starts. Hope that heals. Well, last night, my wife Sarah and I, we went on a walk in our neighborhood. We were actually out for a, a few miles. It took quite a while. It's been something that we've been doing quite frequently these past four months, to be completely honest. And sometimes we do this thing called fast walking. Some people know it as running. It's very, very new to me, so I'm still trying to figure out the lingo. A little bit of a nugget of truth. Um, Running in 2020, exactly the same as running in 2019. It's still awful. (laughs) I just get tired, everything hurts, and I get sweaty, and I guess that's the point. Um, But Three weeks ago, we were walking and we, uh, we, uh, we took the, the turn that we were in the street that we were going on to, and then from a distance, I saw on the side of the road, a little bit near the, uh, the sidewalk, a $100 bill. And so there was no one else around, so I didn't go and sprint for it, but I definitely kept my eye on it as I, we were walking towards it. And the closer I got to it, it, it seemed as if maybe this is, as, is, is actually legit. Maybe this actually is a $100 bill. It was the right size, it was the right color, it was the right shape, it had the correct numbers and symbols in the familiar places. But then there was a point that as I got closer and closer to it, I realized that it was just an advertising piece of paper. I believe it was an advertisement for a furniture store. You see, there's a certain point where you got closer and closer to the truth, to reality, that you found out that this was just just something that was, was posing as something authentic. The $100 bill, if it was real, if it was genuine, it had monetary value, right? It was worth $100. Well, this piece of paper was, was nowhere near worth $100. Now, it did its job. It did serve as a distraction. It, it was a, a fairly accurate or a fairly um, successful marketing tool. It got my eyes on it. But it was nowhere near worth $100. It was posing as something else. It was fake. It was a counterfeit. And before we jump into the middle of 1 John, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, the first eight verses, where John, and where he is just taking his original readers, is he's warning them of there's counterfeiters out there. There's counterfeiters out there that have the appearance of godliness, the appearance of someone who's, who's honoring and living and going after the truth of Jesus Christ and his gospel. But the closer and closer you get to them, there's a certain point where the, as you dig deeper, as you know the heart of their, their motivation, it's actually just, it's, it's about self. That person has, has not put their trust in Jesus Christ. And as a counterfeiter, what their desire is to take our attention away, to take our, our eyes off of the truth and back on to self. And it's with this mindset that that John warns his original readers, hey, there's counterfeiters out there, beware, beware. 
that we dig in to 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. This is where we get to our first point here this morning. First point is this, place your hope in the powerful, transforming return of Jesus. Let's walk through this. We're in verse 1, and John says, See what kind of love the Father has, has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world did not know, does not know us is that it did not know him. Now, a couple verses before this and a few verses after this, John refers to his original readers as little children. Well, this week is VBS week. We're incredibly excited about it. So many different homes and so many different neighborhoods. We're going to be preaching the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I still have, I have four sons, and three of my sons are, are, uh, are VBS age. Uh, they call they're still young enough. And when, when you're you're teaching a, a child some truth that you really want them to grasp, something that you really want them to appreciate. You typically don't, you know, talk down to them from above, but you try to get on their level, right? And so John gets on, his, on the level with his original readers, his little children, and he says, okay, I don't want you to be distracted by something right now. I don't want your eyes to be any other place. I want you to focus on this truth here. I want you to be blown away by the magnificent and the powerful and the giant love that your heavenly Father has for you. And here's the thing, when he poured out his love for you, Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrates his own love for this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when God the Father poured out his love to his little children, we didn't look so well. We didn't look that great. We had sin and rebellion as a part of us. But that's when he reached into this world, sent his one and only son. And all those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ, they believe that Jesus rose from the dead. They confess him as the Lord of the life. They are born again. This is a theme of John's, of a lot of John's writings, right? And in this new birth, in this new nature, we, we, we're not born into an earthly family. We're born into the family, the spiritual family. We are children of God. And just be blown away for a moment, little children, of this truth, of this reality, that we came from ugly sinners. And now through the love of our Heavenly Father, He has given, given us the rights to become children of God. And this truth and this reality is, is, is not something that the world grasps or understands because they've rejected the truth of Jesus Christ. He moves on and he starts out in verse 2. He says, Beloved, again, it's just his heart for his original readers. We are God's children now. We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. John's saying, here's, here's our reality. At that moment that we, we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we are. We become sons. We become children of God, and we have that, and that's a guarantee now, and we hope in that. But here's the thing. We, we look at our, our current dwelling place, our flesh, and we have not been made perfect yet. We, we still are in this flesh, and we still have the ability to choose to sin. We're still capable of choosing self, to reflecting on that, that old self, that old nature, and we can still sin. And John is saying, oh, here's the thing, though. Our God is always a God who finishes what he starts. 
And there's a little bit of unfinished business that he has with our dwelling place because when he comes and he brings his church as he's promised and we are then forever and instantly changed and we receive glorified bodies and it it looks very much like and we experience what Jesus' resurrected glorified body is to this day. And just be blown away by we will receive perfect bodies made holy in Christ. And we will not have the ability to sin anymore. There will be no limits. There will be no weaknesses due to our sin. And in that perfection, we will look upon our Savior in his fullness and be blown away at how awesome he is. And this is what we hope and this, again, hope, biblical hope is not just a wish. It's not like we cross our fingers and we think, oh, I really hope, I really wish this is going to happen. No, this is complete confidence. We know what's going to happen. It's not dependent upon our behaviors. It's dependent upon the promises of our God. The Bible says it is impossible for God to lie. It also says that God never deceives us, nor can he be deceived himself. So the things he promises we know are that is going to happen. He is faithful to finish everything that he starts. Then he finishes this thought in verse 3. It says, And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So everyone who has turned from their sin, repented, admitted that they're a sinner, believed that Jesus rose from the dead, confessed him as the Lord of their life, they hope in that truth, in that reality. And from one degree of glory to the next, we are becoming like him. We are being made holy. But I want you to to focus on the tense of this verb, purifies. Because in the original Greek, it's in the present active tense, meaning it's something that's not just promised for us in the future and we can just wait for it. It's not something that we just, it's something that happened in the past and we just remember it, but it's something that is happening in the here and now. It's something that that the Lord is transforming us, making us holy from one degree of glory to the next. And it doesn't start in that moment when he calls his church or when we pass away and we're, we're with the Lord forever. It starts when we're still actually in this flesh. And he is doing his plan, doing his job, receiving all the glory as we move from one degree of glory to the next. First John chapter three is encouraging us, hey, celebrate our savior. Praise our Savior because he's a Savior who finishes everything that he starts and we will receive this glorified body that has no capability to sin. It is going to be made perfect. It's going to reflect our Savior and it's going to be wonderful and awesome for all of eternity. But God doesn't start that process when he comes back for us or when we pass away. It starts at that moment when we first put our trust in Jesus Christ. Let's seek after him. You know, it'd be something like, uh, so my wife Sarah and I, we, uh, last month, early June, we celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary. One of the things I really enjoy to do um, on every single anniversary is to reflect back to our our first year of marriage. And I'll be honest, I I look back at the first year of of our marriage, I look back very, very, very fondly, but then um, I think about all the things that the Lord has, has done as he's matured us, grown in our relationship with each other. I remember the very, very first time we went real grocery shopping. 
And this is not like grocery shopping for like snacks, Doritos or something like that, but it's all of the basics of grocery shopping, things like salt and pepper and eggs and, and milk. And it seemed as if every single aisle in the immaturity of our relationship, the immaturity of our marriage, we, uh, we, we had another opportunity every single aisle for a, a flare-up of pride, um, a flare-up of, uh, of drama. We got to the first aisle. It's the peanut butter section. So I grabbed the, uh, the chunky peanut butter, which is far superior to any creamy peanut butter, and you plop it in the, I plopped it in the cart, and I got this look from my wife. And I realized that I was wrong. <laughs> and then I moved over to the, the, the second aisle, and there's the ketchup section. And my beautiful bride reaches for the cheapest bottle of ketchup, which is not Heinz, and she plops it into the cart, and then I finally realized that my beautiful bride actually has some weaknesses. <laughs> we both had some things to work on. But imagine, if you will, we just stopped growing that first year of marriage. And the way that we communicated with each other that first year of marriage, the way that we handled the trials and the junk of life was the exact same that where we are right now, fast forward to 16 years to the present. Everyone say, that's gross. No, the Lord has been working upon our marriage. And the things that we learned in year one and two and three was to set us up from one degree of glory to the next to be used for his glory in year 16. And I'm super excited about what's going to happen 16 years from now and how much we have grown and how much the Lord has proved his faithfulness. It's the same thing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not something that we just only look forward to. Yes, we celebrate and we, we worship our Lord. He's going to finish. He's going to give us a glorified body. It's not going to be able to sin, and we were so excited about that. But he starts, he wants us to start now. He's bringing us somewhere. He's using us. Don't miss out on anything. So, I don't know about you guys, but uh, for the past four months, um, I've been watching a lot of news, a lot more than normal. <laughs> We're not typically a news family. We don't watch the news every single day. Um, I, I don't check the, the news um, websites every single day. And, and what I've realized, that there is a, a big difference between just being caught, caught up with the, the times, being caught up with current events, just... Just, just enough so that you, you can be wise in your decision-making. And this is where I would typically be in um, the first 39 years of, of my life, just, just, just knowing enough of what's going on in the world to be caught up with. But there's a giant difference that I've experienced these last four months that I've moved over from being caught up with to being caught up in. And it seems as if every single hour, every hour, I'm going to a news website. What's changed now? What's the new restriction? What's been lifted? What did this person say? How did this person respond to this person? And I've been so caught up in the temporary of this world. And I've even seen it, even just things that I, that I daydream about. Had anyone else caught themselves just saying over and over again, oh, I, just, I can't wait until then fill in the blank. I can't wait till I can go to this restaurant that's closed. I can't wait till I can experience this sporting event. I can't wait until I get to do this. I can't wait until I get to see this person. I can't. And it's we just be consumed by being caught up in what's going on right now. And when we do this, we really limit our eternal focus. 
I'm not saying be ignorant. I'm saying be caught up with. Know enough what, what, what's going on to make some wise decisions in the world. But give yourself an opportunity to come to the Lord and say, Lord, this is, this is not my home. This is just a temporary dwelling place. I'm excited for where, where you're going to finish in my life. I'm not, not going to dream small anymore and just dream about going to a restaurant. Lord, I want to be blown away by your eternal. I want to dream about what's it going to be like to see you in your fullness? What's it going to be like to experience a body that has the, no capability of sin? I want to dream big. What are you dwelling on? Are you being caught up in something? Or are you putting yourself in a, in a position where you, you're so informed, but you're dwelling on the internal, you're able to, to dream big with your big God? And so with that eternal perspective, we move on to our second point here this morning. Our second point is this. Live today with the righteousness of Jesus and love those around you. We're in verse 4. John says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So here's a phrase here I want you to continue to, to read or uh, keep in your mind as we're going through these next few verses. In this section, the Holy Spirit is providing clarity, making things clear, where our enemy Satan wants to keep things cloudy. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is making things clear, where Satan wants to keep things cloudy. And so his first clarity comment is that Everyone who makes a practice of sinning practices lawlessness. It's the person that maybe even sees some of the truth of God's plan and has totally rejected it and always rejects it, wants absolutely none of it in their life, and has taken the decision, I'm going to follow me. I get to decide. I, I'm providing the, the guidance. I'm providing the leadership. I'm in charge. No one else and no th- nothing else can tell me what to do. I'm in charge. I'm gonna, that's lawlessness. I turn my back on God's plan, and I'm going to follow all of me, never putting my trust in Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow me, and I'm going to follow me, and I'm going to revel in it. And it's going to be something that I just I do every day, and it's going to become a part of me. That sin is going to become a part of me. It's going to be my, my identity. It's going to take over, and I'm just going to continue to follow me lawlessness. And John says to his original leaders, but you know. Wait, you know something different. You know that he appeared, everyone say that's Christ, in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. So all those who have confessed Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life, they have turned from that life where their sin was their master. And they have put their entire life's trust on the person of Jesus Christ and the object of our faith. He has no sin. There is no sin apart or a, that, that has a piece of him. Sin was no, is, no, is nowhere near found in him. and will never, never will be. And so when he appeared the first time, he had one major purpose. And that was to die and to rise again, providing one way for the forgiveness of our sin, one way for us to become true children of God. 
And so much so, he writes in 6 and 7, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning either has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. See, the, the, the one who has put their trust in him will reflect Jesus Christ. If we had an apple here, and if I squeezed it, the only thing that's going to come out from that nature, from that apple, is just apple juice. It doesn't matter how hard I squeeze it, it doesn't matter if I use my hands or I use some sort of machine, it's only going to produce apple juice. It's not going to produce motor oil. It's not going to produce orange juice. And so as we're given this, this new nature, as we're born again, we're going to reflect naturally the object of our faith, Jesus Christ. Then again, he gets on the level and says, little children, don't, don't, be, don't be deceived. Don't be tricked by those counterfeiters. They have the appearance of looking like they're clinging to Jesus Christ, but they're clinging to self. They're clinging to their sin. Don't let them lure you away from the truth. They're simply there just to lead you away from Jesus Christ. And he finishes out by saying, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Yikes. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So this person over here who has completely rejected the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they practice their sin, and it becomes who they are, it's their identity, maybe even getting to the point where they call their sin good. They reflect the originator of sin, Satan himself. That is something that Satan wants to keep cloudy. He wants to keep the truth of Jesus Christ cloudy. He loves it when people appear like something and hates it when someone has a genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ, when he came, he came not to just add to Satan's plan here in this world or provide some sort of a, um, a different path. He came to annihilate it. He came to completely destroy it, to rid it for all of eternity, and he did that on the cross and in the empty tomb. And we hope in that truth because we know it is 100% fact. I want you to think of it this way. So I have two backpacks up here. We're uh, collecting backpacks for kids. I borrowed one of these <laughs> from someone who has already donated. This backpack over here, it, it, uh, it illustrates and represents the backpack that, that all of us are born into. We're all born into a world of sin. We, we all fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. And here's the thing, because of our sin, it has snapped in place. And it doesn't matter how hard we try to get this off. It doesn't matter how just tired we are of the weight of the stones of our sin that are in this backpack. We are powerless to take this off. And we can try to fill it with good works. We can try it as hard as we can. We're powerless to take this backpack off, and all of us are born into this. But church, we have a heavenly Father that loves us so much that did not leave us in this state, that he sent his one and only Son 
And as we then turn from this, we admit that we're a sinner and that that is not God's plan for us. And we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And then we confess him as the Lord of our life. He is in control. We are no longer in control. We're following God's plan. The apostles say that we have, we have put on Christ. We have put on Christ. And not because of our good works, but because of, of Christ's work on the cross and the empty tomb. He has snapped us in. And he has promised to finish when he starts and we're not able to get out of this by, by, our, by, our, by our sin, by our behavior, by the things we do, the things that come out of our mouth. We're, we're here, we're secured with him for all of eternity. And I'm telling you, this, this backpack right here is so much lighter than this one. But our enemy prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. He's the great deceiver, and so this is what he does a lot of times is he tries to go and convince someone, hey, you know what, let's, let's make our own reality. You're in charge of your own life. Don't let any God or any Bible say, hey, I've got a better plan for you. You know what's best for you. Let's make something that's unique for you. Let's take some of these things because you like some of these sins. It does give you some pleasure. It does give you a little bit of relief in the times of, of trials and the junk of life. So hey, let's, let's make something new. And you know what, here's the thing. You know what, if, if there's a couple things over there that make you feel good, you know, hey, bring a couple of those things over here. You want to go to church? That makes you feel good? All right, cool. Let's, let's put it over here. You even want to give a little bit of first fruits giving? You want to give a little bit of money to the church or to a charity? That makes you feel good? Sure, let's make your own reality. Let's create, because you know what's best for you, not some God, not some Savior named Jesus Christ. You know you the best. So you make what's best for you. You lead yourself. Well, what's the reality here? The reality here is that it's just a, the same backpack, just a different color. The reality is that you're still oppressed by your sin. Your sin is still your master. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, for I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That is dead to me. Jesus Christ died for me and not just to come alongside and for me to bring some of my sin over here, but no, that is gone, that is done. That has been annihilated by my Savior. And so now the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm all in with his plan. And there's sometimes what we try to do is we, we put on Christ, we look back at this, and we're like, you know what? I, I just kind of like this. this is, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit attached to this. And we try to bring a little bit of our old nature, our old flesh, our temporary thing, and we try to put it in this backpack. Church, listen to this. We serve a God who is a jealous God and loves us so much that he will not allow our sin to remain in our relationship with them. It doesn't matter what zipper we use. It doesn't matter what we try to take out. It doesn't matter how much force we, put, we try to put in here. He says, 
No. I've got you. I've clipped you in. I am a jealous God. I'm going to say no to the things that are just going to weigh you down. I sent my son to die for this. I know what's best for you. Leave it over here. Confess your sins. I am faithful and just. I will forgive you all of your sins. All of, I will remove all of your unrighteousness. You're dead to that. Put on my light backpack and follow me. It doesn't belong over here. It will never, ever fit. This is First John chapter 3. As the band comes back up and we, we bring this, this closing song to the Lord, and as we spend some time in prayer, I want you to bring one request, one prayer request to the Lord right now. That request is this, Lord, Lord, am I trying to bring something over from my, my old self? Am I trying to bring a, a stone over and trying to, to cram it in my relationship with you? Lord, is there something that I've been holding on to this sin Lord, let's deal with it right now. I confess that sin to you. As I leave this room this morning, Lord, I want to leave changed. I don't want to leave changed. I don't want to be weighed down anymore by that, that sin. Lord, I praise you that you are a jealous God and you say no. You say no for that sin to remain in my relationship with you. I get it. It's never going to fit. But I praise your name that you are a God who is always faithful to finish what he starts. You pray with me.